Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. Open up the word, if you will, to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. I'm going to try to preach five words to you today. And if you'll buckle your seatbelts, we'll see what the Holy Spirit will say to us through the word today. The book of Philippians talks about joyful living. And man, I'm there in this moment. I can't recall when I've had this much of the joy of the Lord in my heart and my life. It's his intention for us. God intends that we live joyfully. That we get up in the morning, and man, we say, hey, this is a good day. This is the day that the, that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. It's his intention, and it's our decision. Man, we will decide, really. You say, Pastor, there are some hard moments in life, to be sure. I've faced them, and listen, uh, the Bible tells us clearly that our life is going to be challenged, and we're going to have tribulations and trials. But even in the midst of that, it promises us that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. And man, Philippians teaches us some things about how to live joyfully. In chapter 1, Paul, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, taught us that we must first of all have Christ as our source. He says, now for me to live, that's Jesus Christ, for me to draw breath in the morning. How many of y'all are glad today that you had the health and the strength to get up and come to the house of the living God? Praise be unto God. That's because of Jesus Christ operating in your life. Paul said, for me to live is, is Jesus Christ. We need him as our source. Chapter 2, we must understand that he must be our, our single mind. We're challenged, let this mind be in you, the one that was in Christ Jesus. And I tried my best to teach you, and I hope I have, that the mind of Christ is the mind of a servant. If you show me somebody who's really, really joyful, I'll bet you my bottom dollar I'll show you somebody who's a servant somewhere. Somebody who's adopted a servant's heart and a servant's attitude. And our mind ought to be one of what can I do to bless you? What can I do to help you? What can I do to under, uh, come alongside you and undergird you? And God, what is it that I can do for you? I'm guilty in my life sometimes of saying, Father, I need you to do this for me. But in reality, I need to get up every morning and say, Lord, what is it this day that I can do on behalf of the King of Kings? the Lord of Lords. He teaches us that we need to have that mindset. Today, we're going to begin chapter 3, and we're going to talk about this thought. To live joyfully, we need to have Christ as our spiritual pursuit. Verse 10a is the key. He says, that I may know him, that I may know him. In other words, this is my spiritual pursuit. It's the thing I'm after. I want to read passage, a larger passage, and then we'll come back to verse 10a, and we'll skin it out a little bit in your hearing. Verse 8 of Philippians chapter 3 reads this way, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things. How many things? But loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of how many things? All things. And do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and being made conformable unto his death. Verse 11, if by any means, that means I'll do anything, I'll do whatever it takes that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13, brethren, 
I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forth unto those things which are before. And I press, say that with me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Man, in these verses right here, we see Paul saying in verse 10a, I'll read it again, that I may know him. I love that word know. It's indicative of a complete knowledge. It means I not only know about him. Paul's saying, I want to know about him. I want to understand him intellectually. I want to hide his word in my heart. I want to know more cognitively about the Lord Jesus Christ. But on the flip side, he's saying, I want to experience him. I don't want just to be a head knowledge. I want to be able to experience the Lord Jesus Christ intimately, not only intellectually, but intimately. And beloved, a complete knowledge needs both of those things. I'm here to tell you, if you want joy in your life today, I'm going to tell you, you need to learn that it comes in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of y'all can say you know him as your personal Savior and you're happy about it? How many of y'all can say that? Praise be unto God. Man, if you want real joy, the key is it comes when you get to know him. Five very powerful words in the midst of a very powerful passage. And what Paul's saying is this, they, these words indicate to us what I call an all-encompassing pursuit, a radical and a deep desire in Paul's heart. One thing he had that could not be ignored or laid aside, but it could only be satisfied by a supernatural, progressive relationship that saved him from his sin, that sealed him with the power of the Holy Spirit, and that one day he trusted would set him up in the kingdom of glory alongside his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow, what we have is Paul peeling back the curtain of his heart and giving us a glimpse down into his deepest heart's desire. And he said, man, it's that I might know him, a spiritual pursuit. Three things I'm going to scan out quickly in way of introduction about this spiritual pursuit. Number one, I want you to note that it's an obsessive pursuit. I want you to note that it's an obsessive pursuit. For Paul, you can't mistake that this was no half-hearted effort. This was not a hobby. This was not something he intended to do in his spare time. This was something that consumed him to his very core. This was the entirety of all he was about, was knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at these words in verse 8. He says, I count it all but loss. And verse 10 says, I want to know him inside and out. Verse 11 says, I'll do anything if by any means to, to get to know him. Verse 12 says, I follow hard after him. Verse 13 says, I forget everything else in my life. Verse 14 says, to press toward the prize of the high calling of God. It indicates to me that he's engaged in what I call an all out, nothing held back, obsessive pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. My family was and is an electronics family. I wish I had some of that giftedness. I don't. But everybody else in my family seems like they have a gift with electronics. My dad, before he went in the ministry, was probably one of the finest TV repairmen I, I, that I knew of. He could fix TV anywhere, anytime, anyplace. He's enamored with electronics. He has that kind of mind. My granddaddy was one of the greatest electricians. Man, he, could, he knew he could almost see what was going on and what needed to happen, and he loved what he was doing, could fix anything. All my dad's uncles, my granddaddy's brothers, they owned Harris TV down there in Old Fort, working on electronics for people. I had one uncle, my Uncle Bruce, that was what they call an arcade repairman. Is there anybody in the house old enough to know what an arcade is? Anybody remember that? 
man, if I had ever quarter, listen to me, that I'd ever stuck in a machine up and take 10 in the upper mall and the Asheville mall, I'd be retired, baby, on some Caribbean island right now. That's where we'd be, man. I blowed so much money in those things. My Uncle Bruce called our house one day and he said, Steve, I, I ran into a fire in an arcade. And he said, they insuranced out everything that was in there. But he said, man, there was one pinball machine that I was able to recover in the back. And it wasn't hurt too bad. I was able to repair it. Well, hardly no cost at all with stuff I had on hand. He said, do you think your kids would want that? And you think you'd come, man, what? Heaven had come to Flat Top Mountain Road, baby. I had a pinball machine down in my basement. Didn't have to put a quarter in it. Could play it any time I wanted to, as long as I wanted to. And beloved, I became obsessed with playing that pinball machine. At school, all I could think about was, man, I can't wait on the bell to ring so I can get home and play pinball. Listen, glory to God, I'd skip dinner to keep playing pinball down there. Mama'd have to come and whip me to get me to go to bed and get off that pinball machine. If she'd given me a pillow, I'd have laid down on top of it and slept so nobody else could have played it. And if I'd have woke up at 2 o'clock, I'd have had me a game or two. How many of y'all here? Hey, I loved that thing. Man, I was obsessed with it. And man, what Paul's saying is, man, I'm not obsessed with anything of the like in this world. I'm obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I desire Him above all else. Every breath I take is about getting to know Him more. My life's pursuit is to lay hands on Him and to be apprehended by Him. Oh, church, that we would be so obsessed with Him. You know, we paint the word obsession today, don't we, in our culture as a bad thing. We'd say somebody's obsessed with something. Well, you shouldn't be obsessed. And I can understand why they're saying that. But man, I believe the Lord's up in heaven today saying, man, I wish, I wish, I wish that my church was obsessed with knowing me. And if you want real joy in your life, man, learn that this is not some half-hearted pursuit, something you do on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. He has to be in the forefront of your thinking in every aspect of your life. And man, Paul said, oh, that I might know him. Secondly, I want you to see that this is also a one-way pursuit. I want you to look at this phrase very carefully. He says, that I may know him. I like that. He says, it's, it, what, what needs to happen is that I need to know him. It's interesting that the other way doesn't work, isn't it? He doesn't need to know you. Let me tell you a truth. He knows all about you. He already knows everything about you. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the indifferent. He knows every little thing about you. Last Friday was a, a holiday in our country. How many of y'all know what last Friday was? Anybody say? D-Day. Last Friday. D-Day. Y'all remember what that is? I'm not going to go into a history lesson with you. It was D-Day. Big day in the life of our country. And yay, in the life of the world to say the least. But Friday was also D-Day in a far less important and an impacting manner. How many of y'all know that Friday was National Donut Day? How many of y'all know that? What a marvelous country we live in. Man, to have a, a holiday called National Donut Day, beloved. I mean, hey, glory, and thanks be unto God. It's another reason to be thankful for living in the good old U.S. of A. 
Uh, beloved, I went down to, to, to Patton Avenue to the Krispy Kreme. What does, what does Donut Day do for you? You get a free donut if you walk into any donut shop in America, beloved. Now you've got to wait a whole year. Uh, 350, 63 days now, you've got to wait to get a free donut. I went to Patton Avenue, Krispy Kreme, and got one. Got in the car, drove straight to the Skyland Dunkin' Donuts and got one. Went out and got on the interstate, drove to Hendersonville to the Krispy Kreme, and got me a donut out there. He said, Pastor, did you do that? No, I didn't, but I thought about it. I mean, y'all, hey, hey, I, if I'd have had a half a chance, I sure would have done it. The Lord and his divine providence did let me find myself on Patton Avenue. He put me right there beside the Krispy Kreme, and I eased in to get my free donut on National Donut Day. One of my favorite people works in there. I always talk to her about the Lord. If you ever want to get blessed, you go down there and see her, man. She'll bless you. She works down there every morning. I ain't going to say how many mornings I've spent down there talking to her. But this particular Friday, I walked in there, man. We was rejoicing and praising the Lord. There was another lady she was talking to when I walked in that was sitting there at the round table eating her free donut. And, man, I said, well, sister, let me introduce myself to you. And she said something very peculiar to me. She looked up at me and said, well, I know who you are. I said, what? I don't believe I've ever met you, have I? She said, no, you never met me, but I know who you are. I said, are you sure you know who I am? Oh, yeah, I know who you are. You're Stacy. You pastor Trinity Affair View out there on Concord Road. That's who you are. She said, let me tell you something else I know about you. I know your wife, Miss Harris. She teaches first grade out there at Fairview Elementary School. She went on to say, man, alive, you got a daughter graduating from high school. And I'm sitting there thinking, who in the world is this lady? Y'all ever been there? Man, I don't know anything about her. I said, uh, are you sure I hadn't met you? She said, no, you don't know me. And beloved, she wouldn't give me one iota of information of who she was. She knew everything about me. That unnerved me a little bit. You talk about an obsessive pursuit, man. I was worried she was some kind of stalker or something. I mean, hey, hey. I'm trying to protect myself to find out a little bit about her. It burst something inside me. I hadn't got my mind over that yet. Here's a lady walking around that knows this much about me, and I know nothing about her. And Man, I'm here to tell you, we have a Father in heaven. Listen to me. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you've thought, everything you've done. He knows everything you'll do tomorrow. There's nothing you're going to do, think, or say in your life that's going to surprise him. He knows what your gifts are. He knows what your talents are. He knows what his purpose is for you. He knows all about you. And man, that ought to give us a hunger, the self-same kind of hunger to say, Father, you know all about me, but I know so little about you. Man, I need to know you. It's not that you need to know me. It's that I need to know you. This is a one-way pursuit, beloved. And I'm here to tell you, he wants us to know him. How many of y'all remember the woman at the well? How many of y'all remember her? Man, there she was, sitting out. Man, she she was there wanting to, to come and just get her a little drink of water, and the Lord uh, came and sat down and began to talk to her. And he said to her, Honey, on one occasion, why don't you go get your husband and bring him back? I'd, I'd like to meet him. And what did she say? She said, I don't have a husband. And he said, You've well spoken. You've told the truth. You've had five husbands in your life. And the guy you're living with now, he isn't your husband either. Man alive, she said, Wow. Here's a man that knows everything about me. If we look at the passage really carefully in John 4, we see that she went and told everybody in the city, what did she say? Come, come and come and see a man who told me everything I'd ever done. Surely, she said, this must be the Messiah, the Christ who's been sent from God. And you see, the marvelous truth of that passage is not so much that he knew everything about her. The marvelous truth is that he knew everything about her and he 
loved her, beloved. He loved her. And his heart's desire was that she began to know everything about him. Didn't he say, honey, listen, if you'd just take one drink, I know well that if you'd just take one drink, you'd never want to drink anything else in your life. You'd never settle for water like that kind of water in your life. And you see today, church, I have a message for you. Our pursuit is a one-way pursuit, but it's a marvelous pursuit because we have a heavenly Father who not only knows us today, but He loves us in spite of us. And He's there wide open like a book for anybody who wants to know about Him. His purpose to us is to make Himself known unto us. Every life experience we have is about Him making Himself known unto us. That one-way pursuit, that's the pursuit that Paul was on. That's the pursuit that we need to be on. Thirdly, I want you to see that it was an objective pursuit. He said that I might know him. That I might know him. Paul's pursuit was not willy-nilly. It was aimed at one thing. It was aimed at knowing him. Not Dr. Luke or, or Timothy or any of those. It was aimed at knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. Man, I'm here to tell you 29 years ago, I started to love a little town that I'd never thought about much on a given day. Anybody know where Fruitland is? Anybody know where that is over in Henderson County? I mean, Fruitland's a fine place, but I I can't remember any mornings before 1985 that I ever got up and said, you know, I think I'm going to Fruitland today. I I think I'll just go hang out in Fruitland all day long. I I never, never, ever thought that. But boy, in 1985, my, my attitude changed toward Fruitland. I, I, I started to go out there every waking moment. Every second I had, I found myself out in Fruitland. Well, what took you there? Well, the Bible Institute's there, great place, big library, has a cafeteria with cheap and good food. I mean, that's a good reason to go hang out out there, but that wasn't what drew me out there. Fruitland Grocery was out there. You could stop, get you a little RC Cola and a moon pie and sit out on the front porch, really slow pace. Great place to be, great place to visit, but that's not what drew me out there. Man, I I got to know a little lady out there. Her name was Faye Ryder, if y'all know her. She's just as precious as the day is long. I don't know of a sweeter lady on earth. She could cook like nobody's business and still can. I'm talking about cat head biscuits. And man, Houston, he could could make gravy. And when you could get the two of those things together, my heaven, you are in a good place. It was worth the drive, let me tell you, out there to Fruitland. Y'all know what a cat head biscuit even is? It's a biscuit that's as big as a cat head. Has no shape or form. Hallelujah. You need to eat one of those in your life. I'm telling you, you do. And if you can get some gravy on it, it's just praise be unto God. I'm saying National Donut Day probably doesn't stack up to that. I'm just here to tell you. All that was good. But that's not what drove me out there. What drove me out there was a little green-eyed girl that I met at Myrtle Beach. Man, she was on my mind all day, every day. And man, I made it my life's pursuit to be wherever she was. If I had 30 minutes, I'd go out there. I'd drive all the way from the house or curfew. I had to be gone by 10. I'd get off work at 9. I'd get straight in my car over at River Ridge. I'd drive as fast as I could out to Fruitland. And man alive, I'd spend maybe 25 minutes with her and get in the car and drive home. My daddy said on one occasion, son, do you realize how much gas you're burning every night to go out there and spend 25 minutes? And I said, daddy, it's worth it. How many of y'all ever been there? But Oh, God, it's worth it, I'm here to tell you. And it still would be if that's where she lived. Man, I loved her eyes. Loved her laugh. It intoxicated me. Her face, man, you look over at her. I can't look at her right now or I'll cry. Her face is just radiant and her countenance is wonderful. Man, her lips, I, I shouldn't say much about her lips, I guess, in the pulpit. We'll leave that for some other time. I'm just here to say, man, she became the object of my pursuit. 
I'm definitely not going to look at her now. I mean, hey, hey, not going to do that. Church, the object of our pursuit ought to be Him. It ought to be Him. Listen to me. It doesn't need to be the latest fad. It doesn't need to be the latest book that everybody's buying. It doesn't need to be the latest teacher that's come on the scene or the greatest preacher that you've ever heard. The pursuit of your life doesn't need to be that relationship that you think you can't live without. Listen, the pursuit of the Lord in my life needs to even be above my relationship with my wife on this planet. Paul's saying it's not even about that sport that God has gifted you in or that discipline or that hobby that you love so much. He's saying, man, I want to win Him. I want to be found in Him. I want to apprehend Him, beloved. I want to know Him in my life. He's the object of my pursuit. Church, I believe the Lord's up in heaven just looking for a group of people who say, Father, we just want you. We just want to know about you. Paul said, man, I want to know Him. And church, I want to challenge you today. You want joy in your heart and life? And what you must do is begin to make him your spiritual pursuit. And think that you get up in the morning and say, Father, show me something different about you today. Show me something new about you today. Rock, rock me somewhere with a new understanding of who you are. Show me in a, in a greater way the depth of your love and your grace. Show me the might of your power more clearly in my life. Show me a little bit more of your plan for me. I want to know you. How are we going to do that? Well, church, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are. And to be sure we can bow our heads and sure we can bend our knees, we can do that. And I encourage you to do that today. But I'm going to tell you the way that he'll become your spiritual pursuit. It's when you begin to empty your hands of everything else that distracts you from Him. When you begin to empty your hands and say, Father, I'm going to hold the things of this world loosely. You say, Pastor, should we not have anything in our lives? No, listen. God's created this world to bless us on our way. And He has blessed me. Press down. How many of y'all could say in your life that God has blessed you? Press down heaped up and overflowing. He has blessed me. But God's saying, don't give in to the temptation to let those blessings, those things become your pursuit. It's been well said we need to hold the things of this world very loosely. For when God asks us for them, we need to be ready and willing to turn them loose. Maybe you've been gripping something too tightly today and you just need to come to this altar and say, Father, I'm going to turn that line. I'm going to empty my hands of all things but you. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.